This week on Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm talking about erectile dysfunction and how we can actually use this situation to make our sex lives better than ever. Hi, and thanks for joining me on this week's episode. Today I'm going to talk about something a little bit different that is so important for us to talk about, and that is the whole topic of erectile dysfunction. You know, if this is such a common thing, we should be talking about it more, right? Uh, Some statistics show that about 40% of men aged 40 experience ED at some times, and more than 70% of men aged 70 do. So if it's something that happens to more than half of the population, it's pretty normal, right? That doesn't mean that it's optimal, but it's certainly something we should talk about because in my experience working with my patients and also in my own life, it's something that can be so triggering for both parties. It unleashes all of those parts of us that feel unworthy and shameful and can be a real minefield for our relationships to separate or for us even to stop being intimately active at all. In fact, the way that it presents most often in my office, since I don't primarily see men, is I might be talking to a patient and one of my standard questions is, do you have pain or dryness with intercourse? And she might say, well, I don't really know because we haven't had sex in two or three years. Ever since he had prostate cancer, we just haven't really wanted to go there. Or he's had ED so badly that he's just ashamed to even try and now I sleep in the guest room. Or different versions of that story, which is so sad. And it's not necessary. So I want to talk about ED from a little bit of a different point of view, which is, believe it or not, how to make this an opportunity to make our intimate lives even stronger. And it is possible. I'm actually going to use some of the secrets from the book that I published. It's been over a year and a half now, The Secrets of the Sexually Woke. And a lot of uh, the conversation in this book is about ED, or at least some of it is. And I'm going to share some of those stories, and particularly the way in which the sexually woke patients that I interviewed for my book, who, if you haven't read the book, please go ahead and get it. We'll send you the link below. But if you have read the book, you'll remember that the sexually woke were a group of women who had found a way to have the most vibrant, connected sex life. And I talked to them and found out about what they had in common and the way that they approached things that could be considered a problem, like erectile dysfunction, or if it's on the female side, vaginal dryness and pain, is a little bit different of an approach. Well, while we're still getting medical care for that condition, inside the relationship, we're using it as an opportunity to do things differently and to get even closer because we're really digging into the most vulnerable parts of our lives and unearthing those parts of us that feel low self-esteem, shame, low self-worth, not good enough, all those flavors of that same type of thing, right? And ED is an amazing fire to fuel all of that, that we need to handle really, really carefully. So I'm not primarily treating men, but just to talk a little bit about erectile dysfunction, obviously, as we know, it's some variety of the inability of our male partner, if we're in a heterosexual relationship, to either have or maintain an erection throughout the sexual experience and often to not be able to achieve orgasm, although sometimes he can. And there are various causes of ED. Some of it's just aging, but it's a great opportunity to 
do some lifestyle modification because ED is made worse by smoking, obesity, high blood pressure, other factors like diabetes, also low testosterone. So there can be physical things going on that need to be dealt with that can improve it without medication. But obviously seeing your urologist is a great idea. We all know that there are some very successful medications for treating erectile dysfunction like Viagra, Cialis, the others in that family. But treating the underlying cause, which could be losing weight, getting on a diabetes medicine, stopping smoking, all of those things are important too. So I'm just going to assume that our guy is seeing the doctor and getting that all taken care of. And in the meantime, I want to talk about how we, as the female half of this equation, can handle it in a way that can actually make our relationships closer. And, and some pitfalls not to fall into to make it worse, because my goal for myself and for you is that we don't end up sleeping in separate bedrooms and giving up sex altogether because it's become such an elephant in the room that we can't even talk about it. So how do we go about this? Let's just say we're in a relationship and erectile dysfunction is something that has come up. Now, if you're a woman in your mid-50s like me, and I already told you those statistics, chances are you've come across it already and you may have noticed how triggering it is for, for you, for, for me as a woman. Oh my God, something's wrong with me. He lost his erection. I'm not sexy anymore. I'm doing something wrong. He's thinking about another woman. I'm too fat. My vagina's too loose. On and on we could go with all of those reasons why it's something to do with me, right? And on the other side, you might have noticed how triggering it is for him, even though he might be hiding it. He may be feeling the same things. In fact, I can tell you that he is. Oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. You know, having an erection was always something that made me feel so strong and powerful and being able to please my mate is a huge part of my self-worth. And now that I feel like I cannot, I don't feel as much of a man. I feel terrible. I feel worthless. That chances are is what's going on in his mind, even if you haven't had the opportunity to talk about it. So if you've run into this already, you may be very familiar with those feelings and they can be pretty devastating. So what would the sexually woke say about this situation or really any situation in which our relationships are becoming disconnected or there's a lack of communication around something that feels so hard to talk about that we just can't start the conversation? So coming back to the book, after interviewing these amazing women for a year or more, I was able to identify three major groups of things that they did, which turned out not to be secrets, so to speak. They really are just ways of being and ways of looking at problems in a different light to reframe them to be opportunities. So what are they? I'm going to cut to the very end of the book. The three secrets of the sexually woke. Here they come. Number one is being open to possibility. Now in the book, this was largely around the whole idea of aging and the idea that aging was an end to everything and that there was a better age to be than 45, 50, 55, wherever we find ourselves, and that life was sort of closing down into a dark tunnel. Rather, the sexually woke saw things differently, that getting older was an opportunity, that with some wisdom, we could try different things, that there was so many things out there that looked beautiful and optimistic. And, you know, without putting a, 
unrealistic silver lining on things, they truly saw that the future was beautiful. So what's that got to do with ED? Here's where I'm going with this. If we approach erectile dysfunction or any type of sexual difficulty that we may be having or disconnection within our relationship with the open to possibility mindset, we can take this so-called problem and turn it into an opportunity to try something different. Maybe what we've been doing all these years isn't working anymore in the traditional sense. Perhaps at the moment, we're not able to have penetrative intercourse because our guy cannot hold an erection long enough to do that. Or perhaps we're not able to reach orgasm as the end goal, the point of sex. Maybe we haven't had to do too much all these years. We could just lay on our back and things just happened. Well, now we have an opportunity to try something new, to break through this old way of doing things and realize that we have an opportunity to explore all kinds of different things now because this has been put in front of us as an opportunity to grow. So for example, who said that sex had to end in orgasm? Why can't we have a beautiful, intimate, connected experience when maybe we don't have an orgasm? You know, we have some great feelings, we have some intimacy, we're really close, we share each other. You know, maybe we don't have an orgasm, the erection goes away, and that is not a problem. It's, it's just part of this new process. If we turn it into a problem, that's when everything starts to feel like a failure because that one thing that isn't going to work makes everything else look like a failure. When the open to possibility mindset would say, look, we've got a thousand things on the menu. There's just one thing that we can't do. So why are we focusing on that one thing that doesn't work? Let's think about the other 999 things that do work. It's just a different way of thinking and it can turn the sexual experience into something beautiful no matter what's going on. And that could be ED or on our side, it could be vaginal dryness and pain that's in the process of being treated or any number of other potentially disconnecting situations, right? So maybe we've been married for 40 years. We've never really had to talk about it. Sex was just something that happened. He jumped on top and everything worked and I didn't really have to do much. Well, maybe now we're going to have to talk about it. We're going to have to share some of our fantasies. We're going to have to open up about our secrets, about what we're really thinking, about what we'd really like. We're going to have to ask and listen to what he would really like. Maybe he needs something different now. You know, when he was younger, the wind could blow and he could have an orgasm, but maybe now he needs a lot more friction. This is very common. The vagina doesn't provide that much friction. We might need to do some other things to provide more friction. Maybe some other erotic stimulation is going to be helpful. What kind of laundry does he like? What kind of fantasies does he have? It's time to start thinking and talking about these things. And I would talk about them with no more pressure or shame than I would talk about what's for dinner. These are normal human feelings, and I just encourage you to move them out of the shame and embarrassment category into just a talk about normal human feelings. ED is normal. Vaginal dryness is normal. Now, these are not optimal, and of course, they can be treated, and they should be, but in the meantime, let's stop making them so bad and making this whole thing such a failure. It doesn't have to be a failure. So the open to possibility mindset that the sexually woke taught me about changes everything because something that we can see as a problem 
can actually turn into an opportunity. And that might sound awfully corny, like I'm reading from a Chinese fortune cookie, but it is true as anything. And we have an opportunity to choose. You know, if we're faced with erectile dysfunction, yes, we can stop having sex or end up being in separate rooms, or we can try something new and turn this into something really beautiful. And I'll share a couple of stories about how that actually has worked in, in these particular patients, but in so many others as well. So that's number one, being open to possibility. This is not a failure. It's not the end of your sex life. It's possibly the beginning of the best sex life you've ever had because you're going to have to talk more, share more, and be much more intimate about what you really want. All right, moving on to number two, the sexually woke knew themselves very deeply. And before they could connect intimately with another person, kind of makes sense. You can't really be present for someone else unless you know who's here. And I thought that was such a simple but beautiful explanation if I don't really know myself, how can I possibly show up fully for another person? And what's that got to do with ED? Well, many of us, including me, have spent a lot, a lot, a lot of years working on self-development, all kinds of self-improvement projects, meditation retreats, reading all kinds of books about how to be the best self that we can be learning about how our minds work, trying to be less reactive, more kind, more compassionate, more patient, all of these things. Well, what happens when it's put to the test? This is a great test about how well we know ourselves because it's probably one of the most triggering situations that we could ever be put in, being vulnerable in the middle of a sexually intimate experience and our partner loses his erection. Okay, what is going to happen? Because I know myself, I know that a part of myself is going to start spiraling into something's wrong with me. What did I do wrong? Maybe he's cheating on me. I knew I was too fat. I'm sure my vagina's got something wrong with it. Okay, because I know that about myself and that I'm a human female person, and I know that happens to every single one of us, I can listen to those voices, but I don't have to attach to them and I don't have to believe them. I can see them as the childish voices that they are, that they come from a long time ago, years of conditioning, and not say them out loud. That I can witness those voices as an observer and take a more calm, compassionate approach that's more curious, all my favorite C's. If we go in with compassion, we're gonna be fine. That's the most important thing. And with curiosity, the worst thing we could do would be to say in that moment, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? You can't have an erection. You don't love me anymore. I knew I was too fat. I think you're sleeping with my friend. <laughs> Believe me, people do say these things out loud. And, and I would think about it myself. I, I'm no different. Those ideas go through our minds. But if I can give you one piece of advice, don't make it about you. If your partner has erectile dysfunction, it is not about you. So don't turn it into being about you. It's not personal. Let's use this opportunity to be compassionate and curious. This is all about him. And when we hear those voices that are making it about us, listen to them kindly and let them go. And by all means, don't speak them out into the world because that is incredibly harmful to the other person. Can you imagine how painful that would be to be in the midst of your own not enough self-worth 
negative spiral as the guy having this happen to him. And then we get pounded with a whole pile of crap from our partner who's blaming us for not loving them enough or, or whatever else is going on in her world. So our responsibility as the loving partner of a patient with ED is to be kind, compassionate, not make it about me. And that's where the self-knowledge is so important. And I've spent most of 55 years on this. So what's the test, right? When we get put in these difficult situations, are we going to be able to come through and be the self-aware, kind, compassionate, calm, curious person that we've been practicing to be all of these years. And if you do it, you're going to feel great. And if you don't, you're going to feel like crap. And so is he. Going back to that saying that I say so often and I love so much, if you want to feel good about yourself, do things that you feel good about, right? So do not make it about you. That is where self-knowledge plays such a big part. The third secret of the sexually woke was that they approached their relationships, intimate relationships, or anything in life really with intention. Now, what's that got to do with ED? A lot, because it's so scary. It's a great opportunity to run away. <laughs> Many of us, when we're faced with something so difficult to talk about, are going to choose naturally to shut down. We're not going to talk about it. Maybe we're even going to leave the room. We're going to put our hands over our ears. We're not going to want to talk about it because it's so scary and feels so threatening to talk about it because of all of these self-worth issues. It's critical in this situation to approach ED with intention. That means talking about it, going into that fearful place and just putting the light on it. As Brene Brown taught us some years ago, shame cannot exist in the light. Thank you, Brene. That's one of the most important things that I've ever learned, that if we've got something so shameful and difficult to talk about, what we need to do is talk about it. So that's what I'm doing here today. And I encourage you to do that in your relationships, to make it an intention to go in there and talk about it. Not, not forcefully, not like a hammer. Don't demand to talk about it if he's having the worst moment of his life. But at the appropriate time, to bring the conversation up, don't be afraid of it. Talk about how ED is common. Talk about how you heard that 70% of men have it by the age of 70. Talk about how it's curable in most cases. And that, hey, this could be really fun. Let's, while you're being treated, try some new things and, and maybe spice up our sex life. That's the intention that's going to make this better and really blow the lid off your relationship in a situation that could be potentially absolutely devastating. Again, every time I see a patient who says that she's basically given up on sex because her husband has ED, I feel sad. Uh, and rarely is the patient okay with that. In fact, I can say never is the patient okay with that. She's accepted a situation that is really detrimental to her and her partner. And it's been so long now that it's really feeling difficult to repair. So the best time to address this is immediately. If we let too much time pass, of course, it becomes more difficult to have those conversations, but it's never too late. It's never too late. And a great opening into that conversation. If you're in this situation and you're like, oh God, this has been going on for years. How am I going to bring it up now? That would just be weird. 
a great opening into that situation is to say, hey, I just saw Dr. Susan do this video on ED. Or if you're in Houston, hey, I just went to see Dr. Susan and we talked about ED. And she said, da, da, da. And you can open the conversation that way. That's a great icebreaker. Um, or you could talk about some of the things in this book. If you buy this book, if you haven't done so already, you could read some of the stories together about how patients have overcome these potential difficulties and made their relationships better than ever. So a couple of stories I wanted to share with you. Now, these are real stories. They're taken absolutely word for word from what the patient told me. I had a lot of fun with this. I interviewed patients for hours and then had the interviews transcribed and then had to pare it down into what's in this book, which was hard to do because the stories were so great. Uh, but this particular patient, uh, we'll call her Kimberly, her husband's Gary. They'd been married for 40 years when he developed ED. And so in her words, this is what she says. She said, Gary's a healthy person, but for the last few years, he couldn't really get an erection. He didn't want to talk about it. I knew he'd gone to see a doctor, but he was secretive that day until I asked to see his paperwork for what was going on. And I saw that the doctor had prescribed him one of those ED drugs. Finally, we started talking about it, which was such a big relief. We should have talked about it sooner. It feels like it's getting to the depths of our vulnerability. The man's virility, his strength, his ability to please and take care of us. And I say that coming from a couple that's been together for 40 years. I can't imagine if we just met. It was so difficult for us to talk about it first. Well, it was a huge relief for him to find out that he was okay, that ED's common, and that things could be done to help. The funny thing is that I was worried that I was not satisfying him. I never thought for a minute there was anything wrong with him. And then all the while, he was thinking the opposite and that I was disappointed. Now we can laugh a lot about that. It's like we're teenagers again. It's actually been really good for our relationship, not just the medicine, but that it forced us to communicate and be open with each other. So there you have it. This was a, an awful situation that had been going on for some time. He finally bit the bullet and went to the doctor, didn't even tell her about it. But when she found out about it, they were able to talk through it and now have a better sex life than ever. Now I'm going to share a slightly different story. This one is about a couple who uh, were going through prostate cancer treatment. And you may know that prostate cancer is incredibly common, similar to breast cancer. One in eight men develop prostate cancer during their lives. And as a result of treatment, especially surgical treatment, sometimes can suffer from erectile dysfunction or other sexual issues after the surgery. So this story is a little bit different, but the outcome is similar. Um, so the patient in this particular story is named Carla. Her husband was John. She describes that they went to the doctor for the first visit, and at which time he was told that he had prostate cancer. And on the way home, he was completely silent. All she was worried about was that he might die from cancer. All he was worried about was what the doctor had told him about potentially having erectile dysfunction afterwards. It was such a cute story about how two people can be thinking completely different things. So she describes that in detail, and it's actually quite humorous. She says, I saw for the first time that for John, sex really defined him in some way. And I could see that fear, something primal that men have, that if he couldn't be a man in that way, that I might leave him. Well, that was the last thing on my mind. I was worried that he had cancer and he might die. 
Well, John had the surgery and we went to a post-op visit with the nurse. She looked right at me and said, you have to give him six weeks, but then it's a use it or lose it situation. It's like rehab. It's not going to be perfect right away, but just keep trying. I looked her in the eyes and said, no problem. I've got that covered. The funny thing is that right before that, our sex life had become a bit routine. We were just getting down to the business of it, and we'd given up foreplay and touching each other slowly. So when we did start trying at the six-week mark, I had to really listen to his body, take it slowly, watch every response to see what was working and what wasn't. It was so beautiful in that way. We switched things around, so he'd give me an orgasm first, like in the old days, and then I would focus completely on him, and he already felt good about himself for making me feel good and felt under no pressure. And she goes on to talk about this more, but I thought that was such a beautiful story, partly about how our deepest fears can be really triggered by these situations, but they can be completely different so that two people, even in the most intimate relationship, married for 10, 20, 40 years, can have no idea what the other person's thinking. And what a beautiful opportunity to open up that conversation so that we can lose that shame, get back to intimacy, and have a better sex life than ever. So I just wanted to remind people, if they haven't read this book, it is available on Amazon. There are these and many other great stories about how we can truly have the best sex life ever when we're in midlife and beyond. And regarding erectile dysfunction, yes, it happens. If it's happening in your life, you're more normal than not because 70% of men are going to have it at some point. And so let's use it as an opportunity to put all these things into practice. We've been working all these years to get this stuff going, right? So let's put it into practice, communicate better, make this an opportunity to have the best sex lives ever. So I hope you found this useful. If so, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends. And if you have any comments about the book or anything else, we'd love to read those below. If you have read Sexually Woke, I would be delighted for you to go on Amazon and write a review. And if you haven't, just go on Amazon and buy it. That would be awesome also. And I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.